Jones. Today, I got to spend some time with my boss from back in the day. He, uh, he was actually the one who hired me and got me out of a job at Quiznos and into the field I'm still working in. I hadn't seen him in probably like 10 years, and it was really cool to uh, catch up with him and hear him tell a bunch of stories. He is a professional musician, a competitive runner, and he used to do a lot of surfing when he lived in Hawaii. Here is my friend Rod Walker. So we got we got a lot of stuff we can talk about, but the first thing that popped in my head when uh, I knew you were coming down here is I remember back in the day when we used to work together, yeah. you talked about how you had been, you were somehow involved with like A&R with yeah. uh, some, some company out of LA, right? I worked for Capital. You worked for Capital. Yeah. Well, I was their college rep. I started out as an intern. Do you want like just – I think I know what you're talking about. You're talking about – I'm talking about chili peppers. You're talking about chili peppers. Yeah. So – but that that was just a sliver of that experience. Um, do you want to hear about that experience or just the chili peppers? No, no. What, how, did, how did you get there? How did well, you get that job? So I was like 19 and I didn't know what to do with my life. And I was playing music and I saw this ad on TV, you know, Art Institute. And you can – you know, this is the time when they were playing music on MTV and stuff. And so I uh, – I wound up going up to the Art Institute and uh, and uh, to go to school. And, man, like almost like out of the gates, like a two-year program, audio and video production program. And uh, I, they, one of my teachers, this guy named Roger Fisher mm-hmm. from Hart, he wrote Barracuda, Crazy on You, right? He's my history teacher, my music history teacher. He wrote that? I thought the, the yeah. ladies wrote it. No, it's him. That's him. All that stuff's him. Huh. And, um, and, uh, and I actually went down to, uh, through his family, went down to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction that huh. they did in 14. It was mind-blowing. But um, so, yeah, I was uh, in, in, at the Art Institute, and, and they were hiring, you know, just the local pro guys, you know, the local studio guys. And, and uh so Roger uh, had a relationship with Stan Foreman, who was this the, uh, the head of capital, uh, Seattle Northwest Market. We did Oregon, Alaska, Idaho, Montana, and and yeah, five states. And um, and uh, so Stan comes in and uh, speaks one day, you know, and talks about the record industry and all that. And I'm like, I want to work for that. I want to do that. What that guy's doing. Mm-hmm. And so I go up to him like everybody else, and he's handing out his card, and I get a card, and I, you know, I call him up. Sorry, he's busy. You know, a couple of days I call him up again. So I just bugged the crud out of this dude. And then about two months of this, he says he finally, and he taken my call. Oh, good luck to you, you know, and best of luck in your, you know. Yeah. So he finally takes the call and he talks to me and he says, um, he says, uh, well, I don't really have a job for you. But you could be my intern, and uh, why don't you come down and talk to me? So I go down in there, and he's got this palatial office that, you know, overlooks the uh, Lake Union. And this is in Seattle. In Seattle, okay. Gold records on the wall, you know, instruments signed by you know the artists of the day and stuff. So I'm already like, wow, you know. Yeah. I'm like 20 and 21, and. Uh, Somewhere in there. And uh, he, uh, he, so he, he winds up giving me this gig. And I walk out of there with like more promo swag than I can handle, you know. Right. So he, he wanted your help, but he didn't want to pay you. 
There was no job. Yeah. They didn't have a they didn't have a job. They had yeah. for what the job was at the time was like uh, uh, was handled by a company called or SEMA, which was Capital Electra EMI somebody. Anyway, that was their like sales force. Mm-hmm. And so there were already uh, a couple of people doing that. But he so he gives me this gig. And he says you can come in and and stuff envelopes a couple times a week and and um, and then uh, and do that. So I do that for a little while, and then um, they wind up having this. College, they, while I was there, and after a couple months, and I'm so I'm sitting on this guy's couch. I'm going in there like all the time, right? I'm only supposed to be in there like on Thursdays yeah, or something, yeah. right? So, I'm, but I'm there like three days a week, and I'm sitting, I'm playing Poison's guitar, and I'm nice. talking, you know, <laughs> digging through the bin of free stuff I can yeah. give to my buddies to be cool. Yeah, and uh, and I'm getting tickets, and I'm getting backstage passes, and I'm hanging out like you know. With, Back in the day, I'm, I'm it's gonna be old, but like Dur- I'm hanging out with Duran Duran and Def Leppard and Poison and wow, and all you know, every night was like a different concert. And I would take my buddy who was working at Atlantic, and he'd take me to meet Steve Ray Vaughan, or you know, we'd do all these Wasp. I mean, it would go Anne Murray, it would run the gamut. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I went up and saw the Rolling Stones with Queensrÿche and sat you know, sat close to those guys, and, and I could have went back, but I didn't go back anyway. But uh, so I had all these passes and all this stuff. And and so my second I'm like right at, as a kid, right at school. That's how I get into the record business. But what, what, what were they sending you to the concerts to do? Were you supposed to? So so that was part of my pay. And then when I became a college guy, a college rep. I had to go out and like go to the back when they had record stores. I'd go into record stores and I was doing like college alternative music, which was like Skinny Puppy and Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds and, and all these artists that, you know, at the time were considered, you know, alternative. Mm-hmm. And one of those was the Chili Peppers. And um, so what would happen was when these artists that, you know, weren't going to chart, they weren't the new heart record mm-hmm. right they were coming to town they'd play college and they'd be on some local radio station um and i would go and uh help with the meet and greets and that became part of what i did so i would like uh, on the college stuff i would meet you know at a tallest dolby concert you know mm-hmm. again he's not going to chart right and you would you know i would hang out and i would say this is so and so from this radio station thomas dolby or or they just bring them back they get the free drink mm-hmm. the free fruit you know fruit dish and and then they you know get their picture taken with them and on they go and so that was that was my gig were you, were, were you good at it you think like was, were you pretty personable just hanging out with famous people i was great at it <laughs> but i thought i was part of it <laughs> that was my problem yeah you know i uh i got caught up in like the whole, you know, instead of it being a job, it was like, we're partying tonight with, you know, Richard Marks or whoever it was. Yeah. You just, it was the same, you know, kind of thing. And, yeah. And it was an amazing time. Mm-hmm. So, I, yeah, I did that. And at the same time, I was working at the, uh, the Paramount Theater up there, just loading trucks in, mm-hmm. you know, loading trucks out at the end of the night. Because, yeah, all the stuff you were doing for Capital, they weren't paying you, Right. So, you, I, so as a college rep, I got a little bit of money. Okay. But as the intern, when I first started, I didn't get any money. Yeah. I wound up getting a little bit of money, but you know, I had, I, I got so much, I mean, I'm a, I was a music kid. Yeah. And so I had just boxes of free stuff. Yeah. Which to me was worth more than money. Yeah. You know, but yeah, it wasn't paying my rent. So I was, yeah, I was working at the Paramount Theater. And so, you know, Willie Nelson or Robert Palmer, um, any number of artists would come in and uh, I would 
be out there at seven in the morning and we'd offload the truck and push it onto the stage and you know we'd get tickets for the show and, and watch the show and then 11 o'clock at night when it was over we'd throw it back up mm-hmm. and that's kind of that was really where i got with like any kind of production kind of stuff you know that was that was the start of it other than setting up for my band did you appreciate that portion of it though or did did you feel like you still wanted to keep doing the the a and r stuff oh i thought i was gonna be i thought i was gonna be uh so um i mean just the chili peppers thing and we can move on so the chili so i'm went to i was told by my boss i'll come back to your question my i was told my my boss to um go pick up michael balzari mm-hmm who is Flea. Mm-hmm. That's his real name at the Camlin Hotel. And so uh, I got a Ford Escort that I'm driving. I got one door that works. The other <laughs> side, my sister, it was a hand-me-down for my sister. My sister had smashed the other side in. And so I show up at the Camlin and, uh, and I, you know, we had just done a, uh, an in-store and it was all of us. It was me and Anthony. It was all of us. And then um, the night before, and uh, that morning, I mean, I mean, it was early. It was got to be like seven in the morning or something. And so I, I pick him up, and it's me and Flea and Chad, the drummer. The drummer. Yeah. And this, let me interrupt one second. Yeah. Is this before? Is this in, before ninety one? Blood Sugar Sex Magic, like before that they blew was, up. That was uh, it, it. Was Mother's Milk? Okay, I so think this it was is, Mother Milk. Okay, eighty nine. Eighty nine. Okay, so this is before they got huge. To this day, I still have the Mother's Milk promo carton. Yeah. Thing that they sent out. That's cool. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Keep going. No, sorry. So, um, so I picked these guys up and they're only a couple years older than me. And you mm-hmm. got to remember because I'm, you know, I just described, I ain't got no money. Yeah. I'm supposed to take them golfing right in West Seattle. So, um, that's all my only job and I don't have any money to play with them. <laughs> so like, I'm like walking, you know, I'm walking with them right? <laughs> like, and every once in a while they'll give me a club or something. I'll get a hit, hit, you know? And, and, um, yeah, I mean, I was poor and they bought me like a hot dog and shit and, <laughs> and it was hilarious, but I got real comfortable with them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, at some point during that day and Chad, you know, as it, they were buddies, they were, you know, they were doing the world together, mm-hmm. you know? And so they were tight. And so they, he just gave, was just giving him, just giving him shit like mm-hmm. crazy. And so, um, at some point I felt that I could give him shit, give Flea shit. And so I said something about his, you know, oh, there's a heck of a shot or something like that. Like Chad had been doing. And he goes, I'm going to kick your fucking ass. <laughs> <laughs> he said, get right in my face and told me that, you know, and I don't think he was serious, but, yeah. you know, but he just, he let it know that, Hey, you're not, you're not, you're, you're not in the band. You're dude. not in the band, dude. Yeah. You're here to get me where I want to go. Yeah. Or whatever it was. And uh so we uh we go play some golf in West Seattle. It was a great day, I had fun. And um and uh and then Flea goes, I uh we gotta go Hendrix is buried down here. And um somewhere in here. And I'm like, Yeah, he is. I have no idea. And he says, um, I think you know, let's let's find out where he's buried. Look, I got him on my arm and he's he's got a tattoo on his arm. And so um we wind up uh Oh, it's in Kent. I think it's in Kent somewhere. He says, somebody says, it may have been me. And so uh, maybe I knew that much. And we got to Kent, and but we have no idea where this is at, where he's buried, the name of the cemetery or anything. And uh, so we start and we get there. We get into Kent and we're at a stoplight. And uh, he rolls the, we roll the window down. We start, we find this girl in this auto parts delivery truck. And we go, hey, we're trying to find... 
Hendrix is, you know, this is the Chili Peppers. Nobody knows who they are. Yeah, yeah. And she says, um, yeah, it's, you know, she kind of, I think she kind of took us halfway there. She, we, we found it. And so when we left her, whatever, he, he, uh, she, oh, she, she, maybe she did know it, but he said to her, many happy orgasms to you. <laughs> that was a fleeting sentence. <laughs> I never forgot that. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so we get out and we just, and, you know, they're, uh, we're, I mean, I remember we were just walking all over this thing. We finally found it. And then they started talking about how, uh, he Hendrix was buried with the gold strat or something. You know, huh. These stories, you know. Yeah. And I'm thinking, okay, finally I'll make the trades. Intern arrested for you know messing with up Hendrix. Hendrix's <laughs> I'm like, great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. They're like, just get this guy to do it. Yeah. He'll get in trouble, not yeah. us. But yeah, so I did that, and I mean, but there was always, you know, there was all kinds of that stuff, and and I was also playing. You know, I was in this band just by pure timing. I was in a band playing in Seattle mm-hmm. at the Vogue, at the Central. I'm opening for Allison Chains. I know those guys from Tacoma when they were Diamond Lie. Mm-hmm. And so just by being the age I was, where I was, mm-hmm. and playing, I got to see – I mean, I was – I was not part of what happened, yeah. but I was playing there and I saw Mother Love Bone and I saw all those bands happen and, and – um, and, and, and it was, you know, I, I played with the Posies and I played with like the U-Men and, and – you ever seen Nirvana? I didn't. So I have a t-shirt. Recently I did this thing where I played um, at the Vogue. We opened for Alice in Chains. Mm-hmm. And then the next night was the Flaming Licks and Nirvana at the Vogue, which is this club that's no longer there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, but they were – that's just to, to what I'm trying to say is like they were, you know, like – there, but nobody really had any. And they were Soundgarden and Nirvana and Tad, which were kind of the, you know, there were some leftover bands that um, were still in, in Seattle, but mm-hmm. um, most of like the sub pop guys, they were already in Europe. Really? They were already in Europe, like touring and doing their thing. And, and there were some, there, what was left in, 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 Seattle at the time was like bands like Son of Man and My Sister's Machine and Alice in Chains was the last, you know, with Columbia. And um, and I can remember when um, – so I was at Capitol. I remember – and Stan always had his door open for me. And so I'd go in there and I'd sit there and I'd listen. Hey, Stan, working the phones. Can you get this record added on to, you know? And he'd work the phones promo guy. And, and I remember I got, hey, we need you to step out of the office. And I had to go back into my little office. With my envelopes. and uh, <laughs> But, you know, and, and I go back to my little office and the guys, um, the guys, uh, I want to get this right. I think it was, I think it was Mother Love Bone was, I think Mother Love Bone was coming in to talk to Stan. Mm-hmm. Um, they were going to have Stan talk to him. It was either Mother Love Bone or was Pearl Jam. It was that. It was the carnation of one of those two, and they were reaching out to Capital, and they were going to talk to Capital because they were trying to get a deal. Yeah, and, and evidently L.A. had told Stan to talk to them, and so they come into that office, and that was the only time I ever was ever told, to, you know, you need to step out of here while we have this conversation. Mm-hmm. But I can remember watching those guys come in there and and uh, going, Man, I want to be in that room, you know. That that must have been a crazy time. It like Same completely dude. blew up and went worldwide. So I yeah, and I, 
I had burnout on it. Yeah. And uh, left and moved to Kauai. And I'm overliving in Kauai. And all of a sudden I hear smells like teen spirit. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what? And then all these bands, you know, yeah. especially with Alice, because I had some connection to that. And my best friend grew up with Jerry. Really? Yeah. My best friend to this day grew up with Jerry and. And his earliest bands were with him, and I see those guys in Tacoma when we do these terrible little band shows. And so uh-huh. to be over there hearing, you know, hearing all that stuff, and you know, it was cool, but it was like unbelievable. Yeah, you're just like hanging out with them, and then a year later they're on MTV well, every I, twenty minutes. Yeah, hanging out with them, I you know, um, at the same party with them. Yeah, how about that? Yeah, you know, I was we were at the same parties, and the well, same, you said you opened for them too, right? Yeah, but yeah. you know, that was like. Hey, what's up? What's up? Yeah. You know, that was the extent of that, you know? And then we'd all wind up at some house, Mm -hmm. you know, somewhere partying. Mm -hmm. Well, so what did you go to Hawaii for? You just, you couldn't, couldn't Uh, handle it anymore? It's too much? Yeah. Whoa. That was me. Hey, look at that. Um, Yeah, I, uh, I just had, I had kind of, I, I'd been in at Capitol. I had blown an opportunity because I was young and dumb. And as as they were looking for a new AR&R guy to handle the, the, that alternative market mm-hmm. in Seattle. And I just blew the opportunity. And um, I was just kind of hanging. I got a job. I got hired out of there to work for an independent jazz label. And I was working for Heads Up Records International. And I was handling East Coast and West Coast markets. I went I, – that's where I learned, hey, this is Rod from Capital meant something. And, hey, this is Rod from Heads Up meant nothing. <laughs> well, and, how did you go from grunge to jazz? So the guy, there was a guy who was a promo guy for Capital for a long time, and uh, he's he passed away not long, uh, a while ago. And um, he left Capital and went to work for this jazz label. Well, this distribution uh, was called Precision Sound Distribution, and they did stuff like the they had uh, like Christian labels. Rhino was one of their labels, and it was you know it's large distribution independent independent distribution wing. And um, when I was looking for something, uh, I got recomm- – there was a jazz label being formed. Um, the guy had just moved up here from – he had gone to North Texas State. He worked with Bird and all these big heavy jazz guys. And um, and he started a jazz label and he was looking for somebody to help. That He didn't have to pay much. And um, so Russ told him, hey, I know a guy and I wound up going to work there and uh, – so I, 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 like I said, this is Rod from Heads Up, and I'm trying to get on all these college radio stations all across the country, and trying, you know, working East Coast in the morning and the West Coast in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. And you know, my my swag went from you know backstage passes to to I'd be happy to send you some stickers and a coffee cup. <laughs> you know, yeah. I got nothing for yeah. you. A couple extra CDs, you know, yeah. and the catalog at the time was nothing. And and so I just I had done that and. And I, it didn't work out for me there. I just uh, did you try go, to go back to Capitol? No, uh, you'd, you'd burn the bridge or what? Yeah, it, you know it. It's uh, it. I just I didn't I just didn't you know they were looking for an, an, the next day and our guy there and I just didn't get it. Yeah, and there was there wasn't a job when I got there and there wasn't a, really a job when I left. I kind of happened to be there for the college rep thing. And as my college end ending was starting to end, it was kind of like that was going to be. You know, that was over. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, so I was just kind of looking uh, to do something and I was offered um, the opportunity to go live with somebody over in Hawaii. 
And I said, yeah. And I'd just gotten out of a relationship and I'm like, yeah. And so I went over to Hawaii and, um, and I wound up working at a luau and I was like the only white guy at this. <laughs> I was all these Filipinos and Hawaiians and yeah. guys. And, um, and I was working sound in the hotel ballroom. Nice. And, um, that was my, and setting up little PAs for the weddings and stuff. And, uh, so I did that. I was over there just, and I spent my twenties kind of hanging out in Hawaii. That sounds awesome. Ten, and then I wound up from the Lua, I wound up Ten and Bar. And then, and I played over there. Um, and I played in Hawaiian, uh, what they call a, a hula halau. Mm-hmm. And I paid, played this tuetti drum for like the hula girls, you know. Okay. It was very interesting. <laughs> and, uh, and then I played in this, I, yeah, so I had some, I was still playing, I've always been playing. And, um, and so I was over there for my twenties. Yeah. And then I was, I was like, okay, you know, I'm, I gotta have to do something. You know what I mean? I'm doing the same thing. Years are passing by. And I think it was a time where like my circle was leaving the island. You know, that kind of happens over there. Yeah. Everybody starts having kids, getting married, all that kind of stuff. You only want to be in the service industry for so long. You don't want to be the 50-year-old bartender. Yeah. It's like one of those jobs that like you just take. And then 10 years later, you're like, oh, man, I'm still doing this. Yeah. You cash every day. Yeah. Surfing all day, going to work at night and just – having fun yeah it sounds pretty awesome it was awesome you know it was great to be in your 20s you know yeah but as weird as it is i mean there i know there are guys um and girls that are still over there doing that yeah my sister recently went back and she looked up some people that we used to know and they're still doing it Mm -hmm. i have family that live uh in oahu they they love it over there it's 82 degrees every day uh Rains a little bit yeah. in the rains, winter. Rains every day. Yeah. yeah a little bit. No, I was just there it. two weeks ago. Three oh, weeks really? Ago. I was on Maui three weeks ago. Yeah. How often do you go there? Uh, at least once a year. Yeah. Yeah. I it's, usually go in January, but with COVID. Yeah. Yeah. It's so cheap. You can fly there for like 250 bucks. Now? Yeah. Yeah. 300 bucks, 250, 300. Yeah. yeah. It's cheap. Yeah. I'm going back in August nice. and I had miles. So I just use those. But, nice. Yeah. I've been vaccinated since January. Huh? So I haven't, you know, hasn't been like, you know, sure, whatever you want, let's take the test. Fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they, I mean, for a while they were making people quarantine. <laughs> it was. They, <laughs> I don't know why you would go over there and not leave your hotel room. Yeah, I have no idea. Why go there for uh, for a three week vacation, spend two of it in the hotel room. Yeah, yeah, it's terrible. Yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, so that's that's the that's the Seattle thing. I just, um, yeah. So you were you always a drummer? Always a drummer. Do you play guitar too? I do. Okay. Yeah. I've been playing, I've been playing drums. I started playing in bars at 14 and I moved out of my house at 16 from the the music, the money I made playing music. So Slim's in St. John's, I'm going to date myself here, but back in the day, you could gig in the same place four nights a week. You'd set up on a Wednesday or a Thursday and you'd play through the weekend, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, I was in high school and I started playing in Slim's four nights a week, three nights a week. And I was making about a hundred bucks a night. Playing covers? Playing. I was in this, I was in this country Western and fifties band and we were playing like Ogie from Muskogee. And this is really a blue collar, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, and, uh, yeah, I was playing all, you know, all these old Willie Nelson tunes and Waylon Jennings tunes. And then the guy who was the authentic country singer, he sounded, he fit the role, he fit the look. 
And but yeah, back then we were making. I mean, I was making the same money that you're making now, because yeah. the industry is that that whole scene is gone. Oh yeah, you know. And it, we were, you know, it's. I was just talking to somebody about this. It's like I started out and I, I made enough as a kid to move out, you know. And the guys now that that lived in that era. That would go to and set up in the Bozeman Holiday Inn for the week, and then they'd move on to the next hotel, and you know, and they'd make a living, a decent living playing mm-hmm. music, you know. And now, you still have those sixty-some-year-old guys, and they're, you know, uh, they're we're fighting over a three hundred-dollar gig, yeah, you know, and everybody's doing four hours for forty bucks. Mm-hmm. It's not what got me, you know, it's not why I do it. I did to play and yeah. it's never been, you know, I've had opportunities to play with some, you know, people, <laughs> yeah. you know, and I've, you know, I've been there as far as having been looked at by people who could have, if, if I had it, if I had that kind of talent, you know, next level talent, I would have had a chance, but I would have been, I would have already gone there, but mm-hmm. I, I don't have that kind of talent. Become like a session musician or what? Session player or, you know, there's just guys that are just, yes, yeah, totally, you know, touched. That's all they should be doing. Yeah. You know, and I'm not that. Yeah. Um, I know those guys in town and and what drives me crazy is those guys, that that's all they should be doing are playing $40 gigs. Yeah. Out in Sandy. It's one of those professions that people don't value that much. And so they think, uh, oh, you're just, you're, you're background music. Why like, is that? I could get, I could get Spotify to do that, you yeah. know, like it, yeah. but it's a very, very important skill that's so. difficult to master. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Me, yeah. I totally. mean, this just goes yeah. on forever. It never stops. No. Yeah. 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 yeah but, you know, the thing about it is, is when I was a kid, I was a uh, there was a party next door, and I went over to that kegger next door, and there was a guy playing a big white drum set, and uh, and I just went, my mind was just blown. I watched him, and I just couldn't take my eyes off him. I remember seeing the the head on the kick drum move, you know, boom, mm-hmm. boom, boom, you know, and I'm like, you know, something went off in me, and that was that's what I want to do, mm-hmm. and. Um, and still, I mean, when I'm on a gig, it's the best time of my life. You yeah. Know, it doesn't matter if I'm making what I'm making, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, I think today, you know, so the first thing I wanted, I remember being in my first band and, you know, and then you get into bands and you got to get the, and then there's all the stuff that goes with being in a band. Oh, yeah. And I think that, I think that the younger generation today, I think there's less of an appreciation for watching, like, seeing Eddie Van Halen having your mind blown. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're if you're a musician, you can plug into your computer, import your drum track. You know, this is for a long time now, but, you know, and I mean, you don't need other people. And yeah. it's so much more work now to get together everybody and put the PA together and it costs a lot of money and you got to find a place and yeah. all that stuff. It's just much easier if you're a uh, talented, somebody who's been touched mm-hmm. to just do it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, there's something to be said with how easy it is to do all that stuff yourself and also how easy it is to discover other talent. Like it's cool. You, you can go on YouTube and see a hundred million different musicians, yeah. but there's something, there's something different about just all there is, is MTV and uh, yeah. you know, a couple channels on TV or the newspaper or whatever. Yeah. And to see something new, you have to go to a venue and see somebody play. Like that's not really a thing yeah. anymore. You have to feel it. Yeah. 
you can watch it all you all you all day long. I mean, they spend millions of dollars to try to visually put you in something. Yeah. But if you're not standing there and watching Alan Stone just rip your heart out with a love song, mm-hmm. or you know, or just making you making make feeling the the energy in a room just take off. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's what's missing right now with uh, like I'm not that heavily into sports, but whenever yeah. I go to like a Blazer game or something, right. when you're just in a room with ten thousand people, that's right. insane. Yeah, the the energy just from everybody doing the same thing at the same time. Yeah, it's so powerful. I mean, that's I think that's the. It's a weird time right now, mm-hmm. you know, because we're so, you know, we're in this thing where. You know, in your work environment with teams or you're using Zoom or, you know, you're streaming this and, you you know, you're streaming your concerts. You just – we're so connected now, but we're not connected at all. No. There's a different energy you get from being in the room. There's a – I don't know if they're still doing it now, but there were a bunch of comedy clubs that were trying to do – uh, virtual stand-up. Virtual stand-up. Can you imagine cracking a joke and there's nothing? Oh, it's awful. There's yeah. nobody in the room. Yeah. They, th- those those people feed off the energy. Like, it's not yeah. funny unless other people are there laughing at it. Yeah. You, you don't get that same thing when you're staring at a computer screen. Yeah, it's not the same. Same thing with music, you know? I yeah. can't imagine just like, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's a per- – I think that that kind of stuff, having that – that personal experience with people that are watching the same, watching the guy make that buzzer beater. Mm-hmm. And I was there when he did it. Yeah. Right. You know, I mean, that's, that's, uh, yeah, I know it's coming back. I know that it's all going to look different to a certain degree. Yeah. And I think that this has also been a, you know, there's a lot of people who this, they like this. Yeah. You know, not everybody's dying to go back to work. No, no. You know, in person, so. Yeah, I mean, there's some there's some introverts that are enjoying it, right? But the rest roll, of out, us, roll out of bed. You know, they had that forty hour a week job that they could do in twenty hours. Yeah, and now they, you know, they they get it done, but they can just you know do yeah. other stuff with that extra time. And you know, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I did a show with this guy the other day, and he was telling me he's like, uh, he's like, yeah, this is the first time I've been to the office in months. He goes, I got to change my setup at home because the couch that I sit at to write emails. Is right. also where I eat. Right. Is also where I watch TV. Yeah, no, no. He's no. like, I sit in the same spot all day long. No. I'm like, no, man, you got to figure something else out. That's yeah, not good. No, no. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't, I, I would, that would drive me crazy. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, I was thinking about, you said that you started playing when you were 14. And then you I moved, started playing in bars at 14. Yeah. And then yeah. you moved out at 16. What? So there was a house up on Willamette Boulevard in my neighborhood. I grew up in North Portland. And it's still there. And it's, uh, it has three levels, and the very top level was this big room with a kitchen and a living room where there was a bathroom in the middle, and then there was this big bedroom. And the guy rented it to me for like a hundred bucks a month, hmm. and this is a long time ago. And um, I'm I, t- I recently asked my mom about that. How could you let me do this? <laughs> I was again. This was uh, four blocks from my house. Oh wow. Okay. So what would happen is I would just go and skip school and do whatever I was going to do. Yeah. You know when I wanted to do it there. And then, um, you know, go home and eat Uh or go home and watch TV or whatever. I was a kid still, you know, and I might have been, I might've been 15. I don't think I had a car yet, but, um, yeah. And, uh, that was, you know, those, yeah. I mean, it was, it was, I guess a different time. You, you never ran into issues at the bar where they're like, who's this little punk kid? Oh, he's our drummer. Well, he's, he's. He's 12 years old. What is he doing back here? He he doesn't even have facial hair. and, And I'm very small. Yeah. You know, I was, uh. You know, I I was really small then. Yeah. So I was fifteen or fourteen, and I looked 
12, like yeah. you say. Yeah. Um, I never really ran. Uh, they had a, if you've been into Slim's, there's a back area and there's a restaurant. And this is really blue collar back then. I don't know how it is now. I know. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that it's still happening and they're still doing music because I know they do music in there. But I had to go on my breaks and um, I would have to sit in the restaurant um, or I could or out the back door or stand out front. And yes, I did all the stuff that they did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, but I was a kid. You know, yeah, that's what I did. So I did, but I did that for a couple of years. That's cool. Know, playing at Slims, and then uh, and that I actually wound up leapfrogging from one band to the next in there. So that's I just kept on the this one band got fired out of there, and the next band hired me and. And then we all wore matching shirts and played country tunes and, <laughs> and played jambalaya. Nice. And, uh, I nice. Mean, that was crazy. Huh. Long time ago. I'll show you a picture someday. You'll nice. crack up. Yeah. 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 Had my drum head that I took white shoe polish and wrote rod. <laughs> Just in case. You know how the drummers had their names on their head, drum heads yeah, on the yeah. front? Yeah. I had to put my beer, you know. Yeah. That's fine. So I didn't know who it was. That's it. It's good. <laughs> Uh, so after Hawaii, yeah. you came back and – I came back to uh, Portland and uh, was looking for a gig. And um, my mom saw an ad in the Oregonian for the convention center. Mm. And um, I went down there and I uh, uh, just – I think I had – you know, back then, I mean, we kind of talked about this. I have I, – they're paying eight bucks an hour or something like that, but I needed a job, and I had a little bit of experience from the hotel in Hawaii, and uh, so um, they hired me. And um, long story short, and it was—I can remember the interview was Chuck. Um, I, oh yeah, we're not using names. There That's was a fine. guy. He might have been named Chuck. I don't remember, <laughs> but there was a guy. Yeah, Chuck is okay with that. And then another guy um, who. Uh, was the department head uh-huh. and Chuck was just like the, the full-time guy. Uh-huh. And, um, and this guy, um, yeah, uh, I got hired there and then the guy who was in charge, he quit coming to work, the, the department head, you know? And so back then it was like eight bucks an hour. Um, and there was about, Six of us. It was half the size too. It was only. That's right. They hadn't done the expansion. They hadn't yet. done the expansion. Right. And and that was part of, we'll get to that, but I left, but uh, there was about six of us and the guy, and, and back then a, the AV department of the place uh, was purely meant um, as support. So the extent of that thing was to wheel out of uh you know, wheel out a lectern, plug in a mic into the wall, put a slide projector or or a you know data projector. I think they had these massive data projectors back mm-hmm. then. Up and that was it. If you needed a light in the ceiling, Hollywood. Yeah, you. They didn't. I mean, there was no. It was not meant to be um, cost generating. Um, excuse me. You know, uh, uh, revenue generating. Yeah, it was just it was just meant to be a service that they added on, like the electric. You know, just like whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
Um, so the guy he who's in charge of the place, he leaves. He just like quits coming to work. I remember that it was very weird because he wore the same suit every day. And it was and um like he didn't have any other suits? I don't know, dude. It was very weird. <laughs> it wasn't even a suit, it was a sport coat, I should say sport coat. Maybe yeah, he just really coat. liked it. So I remember that um do you remember where the uh, the control room was on the Oregon side of the building? Man, I'm having to, I haven't worked there in a long time, but I think I know what you're talking about. And they used to have a bank of all these, you know, mixers and amps and stuff. And he would hang his he would hang his coat in there at the end of it. I think he would go up into that that area and he would change for the day, and then he would go home or whatever. And then he'd come back in and he'd put that coat back on. Mm. And so the coat was always excuse me was always hanging in there. And it stunk, you know, and I, I can't remember <laughs> that thing. It was just crazy. And anyway, so the guy abandons his job and, and because it's government or whatever it was, it took him like like a year or something. Were they worried that he died at first? I think – so we weren't privy to any of the information. Yeah. But they were in communication with him and there was a deadline. Long story short, the guy – he abandons his job. and But he didn't quit. He, I, I don't think he quit. Huh. I think he was let go because he just abandoned it. Yeah, he might have even moved away. You know? Yeah, I don't really know. But Chuck and another guy said went to the ma- the um, the managers of the building, the general manager and, and, and uh, the operations manager at the time, and convinced them. And you got to remember, these guys are young. You know, at the time, they're probably in their 20s. Mm-hmm. And they convinced them to give them a shot at doing it. And they put a business plan together and they let them do it. All right. So now you got, you know, now that we're putting lights up. The kids are in charge. They're starting to, they're starting to, you know, this all, this all, this. So I had left because they said they were, I had left during this time because um, then the money was, and I, I was doing a band I was I was running sound and uh, packing up a van all over the state, and we were doing like, man, we were doing like a 60, 70, 80 shows a year. Mm-hmm. And back then, you know, they, people were hiring bands for weddings and corporates, you know, regular, and you were making, you know, the band was getting a couple grand, mm-hmm. right? And so everybody was making some money. I miss that. I still chase that. I know it's gone, but I still – It'll come back. I know. I, I don't know, dude. <laughs> don't People know. are still going to get married. Yeah. I you can't, can't do a Zoom wedding. Yeah, I don't know. The, 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 the $2,000 the $2, gig is uh, is a scarcity. It's like Bigfoot. Yeah. I heard about it happening down in Eugene. <laughs> yeah. They're paying two grand at the winery. Yeah. No. So um, I left uh, – I left and um, – uh, a friend of mine knew I was technical, and he said, uh, "Come work AT and T back when dot com was booming, right?" And um, and so I wound up getting hired by AT and T. They put me in school. I became a data technician, network technician, working on uh, big fiber rings and putting in t- these big bandwidths all over all over Portland, primarily, but all over the for place. like for the cell towers. No, so like. Uh, the convention center was one of my our customers, for uh-huh. example. So you, I, I would put in these big pipes of bandwidth, and then I'd cut it up in a router. And so I'd give you sixty-four lines of voice, and I'd give you seven hundred sixteen, you know, meg of. It was in, it was internet. Okay, internet as well as yeah. So we were just telephone, yeah, right? So we were just dropping off 
we're just cutting up this service and, and selling it. And so I would go around to these uh, businesses and, you know, and put this stuff in. And um, uh, and that was fine. I mean, uh, I hopped in a van and, just, you know, it was on my own and, <laughs> you know, and um, I was on call, though, uh, once every few weeks. And at that point, I was just like, I got sick of doing that. And so that's when I went back. I got a call. Hey, why aren't you are you interested in this job? Do I have to be on call? No. Okay, I apply, and I applied, and I won. There's some other guys applying for it too. Well, that's uh, that's the thing that I've always had to explain to people when they are wondering like what what schedules are like. Yeah, and most people have regular jobs. They get up, they make their coffee, they right. go to work at eight thirty seven. Right. They clock out at right. four fifty eight. You know, like that's right. everything's very regimented. Right. But the stuff that you used to do and I still do mostly is like whenever it is, that's you, when you do it. Yeah, you have no idea when it's gonna happen. And a lot of times it's when other people are at a party having fun right. and you're on the clock. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I understand that. Yeah. And which it's cool because um, it's nice that it doesn't get stale, but it also sucks to just have to work all the time. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It, uh, it is something different and you get a – you for me, I got put in uh, – I met people and, and, and I went to places and uh, was part of things that I would have never had the access to. Mm-hmm. And the events certainly gave me that, you know, but um, – it's just random. It happens when it happens and you have to do what you have to do, you know? Yeah. Um, but for me, uh, you know, uh, the events gig is, it's a, you know, it's kind of a young guy's gig yeah. to a certain degree. You know, I don't want to be in a lift, you know, hanging a light or, you know, building a screen and hoisting up pipe and drape and yeah. hanging drape on wall or mm-hmm. You're pushing stuff down to a hotel elevator, down to the floor, down to the parking garage, down to the thing. And, and I don't want to do all that. Yeah. You know? um, Same thing with like going on the road, you know, yeah. with, with a tour. Yeah. You can't just disappear from town for nine months when you're past 26, you know? Yeah. Well, Not if you want to have a wife and kids and stuff. People do it. You know, yeah. I know I know some people that do that and that's their way of life. And, you know, and some people that's okay. You know, mm-hmm. that's what they want and that's who they are and. Rock on. But for me, it was like, I didn't want to be the, I didn't want to be an old guy um, who should have left a long time ago. Yeah. And um, uh, I left the convention. So I worked there. But when I came back, so let me tell you a little bit about So I came back and um, and uh, I've been working with guys who like had families and mortgages and stuff. We're talking about that. And uh, I came back to OCC and there was all these guys that were, they were Really awesome guys, right? And um, I wanted to be more of a guy than a like a leader or a boss, you know. Yeah. But I understood that that was my gig, and I mm-hmm. had to like get people to do stuff. And that was part. That's what I was paid to do. And but these guys, they were, they were. It wasn't the gig for them. Yeah. If, if 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 it was you know this casual service thing, you know, just put the podium out, plug it in the wall, and you know go hang out somewhere. Fine. But they wanted to grow this thing and make it generate millions. Yeah. And um, and so in order to do that, you know, the first thing I, I was pushing and we were pushing for like more money because mm-hmm. I couldn't get 
I couldn't get a better tech. Yeah. Well, yeah, you, I mean, you hired me in 2006. Oh, God. And it was $10. Like, dude, that, dude, that was that 15 years ago? Yeah, 15 I years ago. I can't be that old. 15 years ago in a couple months. Uh, Jesus. Uh, and it was $10.34 an hour. And I came in there and I was 22, 23. I didn't know anything about anything. Well, you went and to you, school. I went to school, but I went to school for studio audio, recording. Yeah, audio production. Yeah. Well, and you, that means you know what a mixer was, and that was good enough. Yeah, that's pretty much it. You could wrap but, an XLR, hopefully. Yeah, but you you hired me, and it was a good thing, but you yeah. probably shouldn't have. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually amazed at how many people we hired that are still in it. Yeah. So that means that you know we, we did have an eye. Yeah. You know, because um, there are a lot of people that came through there that are still Hang on, I got a Charlie horse. Ow. That's not your mic. That's the car. Yeah. There's a lot of people that we hired are still in the game, you know. They're still doing it. And mm-hmm. um and that's cool. Um yeah, so I mean we we had to try to pick the best that we could with what we got. And then when we got we got real money at some point. We got yeah. like eighteen or nineteen bucks. And this is years this is five, seven to ten years ago. Ten I years think, ago maybe. I think I talked about it in a different episode. We went from we were making we I got hired at ten thirty four. We topped out at eleven twenty five, right. and then overnight, right. it was right before I had my son in two thousand seven. So overnight, we went from eleven dollars to eighteen. Right, and it was right before I was about to have a kid, and so right. that was huge. Right. A seven dollar raise right. overnight. Right, and that's when I could go. I started. I'm sorry if anybody. I started going. Hey, I'm hiring these guys, subcontracting these guys to come in because I don't have enough people. Yeah. Hey, you know, you ever thought about come working here? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I started trying to recruit people, and yeah. and I remember I found Ravi sitting at uh, Hollywood Lights one day, mm-hmm. filling out an application, and I started chatting him up in the lobby at Hollywood Lights, mm-hmm. and said, "Hey, come down here," you know, and I hired him. And, yeah, and um, just anytime I could find any kind of real talent, you know. No offense to the guys that were there because they were great guys, but that was not what they wanted to yeah, do. No, for sure. And um, and it was my job to like make them do something they didn't want to do. You know? Yeah, and so I wanted to ask you that. What yeah. um, what was it? Are like? you going to get all serious now? <laughs> no, is that your serious no. face? Oh God, here comes the question. <laughs> I paused for a long time I know, before I get serious. I know. Uh, what? Uh, I mean, you kind of already said it, but what? What was it like trying to be a manager when you didn't want to be a manager? Was that like a weird position to be in? Well, I didn't mind being a manager necessarily. I, I mean, I, I still felt like a tech. Yeah. You know, um, and a lot of, as at the end of it, I was hiring guys with great skill sets and relying on their skill sets because they had more skill than I did at what mm-hmm. they were doing. And that that's okay. I wasn't hired to do everything, you know. Um, I was hired kind of to keep the train on the tracks, you yeah. know, get the show in. and. Um, for the most part, it was, uh, you know, I, I liked the, the politics of the place was, was, you know, it wasn't just the AV department. The whole place was like everybody was gunning for everybody all day long. And if the crew, you know, setup didn't get this in or, you know, food and beverage didn't do this or, you know, everybody was kind of, you know, it was just – and because it, 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 you're in such a turnover environment. Yeah. You know, hundreds of shows every year, flipping multiple sides of the building. Oh, yeah. For anybody listening that doesn't understand it, it'd be like we would we would set like a show up for, you know, in the morning. The show would happen. It'd be like a nighttime dinner gala. Then at midnight, it'd be over and we'd have to reset the entire thing for a new thing in the next morning. 
Right. And for a new group of guys who had to tech it, who didn't set it. Exactly. Yeah. So you would do all the work and then someone else would come <laughs> and in and run you it. Did it. So you're burnt out because you stayed, you've oh, been there God. since four and now you're there till two turning the room over and you hope you, you know, you didn't roll your horizontal or vertical and then they show up in the morning and it doesn't work. Exactly. And now it's for 35 feet in the air and somebody's got to get a lift in and their food and beverage is putting, t- putting tablecloths down. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't miss that. No, I don't either. <laughs> like, uh... Uh, there were nights where people would work until 4 a.m. I slept in that. Uh, and sleep there I, for I, an hour and get up and have to do something else. I know people that did it and I did. I slept in the VIPB on mm-hmm. the couch, you yeah, know, because it just, just by the time I went home and turned around, came back. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it was, you know, um, it was, a, it was a tough gig. I mean, as far as like trying to get everybody on this, because some people were invested there were people there who truly were invested in putting on bigger shows and doing better shows. Mm-hmm. And there were people that weren't, you know, and um, um, there were people there that just – there were people there that wouldn't leave. Yeah. Well, and but because it was a – That was the problem. You couldn't – you know, not that I wanted uh, – I, I couldn't just have like 100 employees. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't go for that, right? So you had to have – you know, I had to have enough people with enough skill set to do it and enough availability. Mm-hmm. And some of them wouldn't uh, wouldn't leave. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I got decent at going, you know, this ain't the great gig, best gig for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but I'm going to need you to quit because well, I, <laughs> I, I can't I, fire I, you. I could never do that. And I couldn't fire anybody. Yeah. No, no nobody. Uh, there was only one person that ever got fired over there. Yeah. In the whole history of my whole thing. And <laughs> it was only because he didn't show up at his yeah. thing. That yeah. But, yeah. I. um yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's amazing, and I think that they are probably still doing you know great things. And um, uh, I think once I left, they uh, my position. I, I don't I don't know, I don't know, but I think my position got renamed, mm-hmm. and the guy um, who I've met a couple of times, great, he's like a nice guy, mm-hmm. um, and I've heard good things about him, but. Uh, um, I think he just handled the production end of it, mm-hmm. and which is probably, you know, I was having to do uh, both. Mm-hmm. So that was, you know, you can't. Yeah, I was having this conversation with somebody the other day. The cool thing about working for Metro yeah. uh, is they have to publish everybody's wage oh, geez. or rate. Oh, geez. So everybody always knew what everybody was making. Did you not know that? Yeah, I knew that. Okay, yeah. yeah. Uh, which is so different from the corporate world because – if you worked at a place and you knew what everybody around you was making, I mean, that'd be good for the workers. But I understand why employers don't want to do that because yeah. they can keep some people at a certain rate. That's right. And they can let other people go up here. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. when you work for a government municipality or whatever it's called, yeah. like, they have to publish all those well, it's rates. Not, it's government money. It's yeah. taxpayer dollar. Mm-hmm. Which also makes it very difficult to get a raise. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. And like we were talking about and now – so I left and – um I left, man, I've been gone from there like seven years or something. I don't mm-hmm. know. Seems like a long time ago. But uh, yeah, I'm sure they're still turning Festival of Trees every December mm-hmm. and figuring out where to put gobos for the auto show. And, you know, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's the same show over and over again. Yeah. You know, same stuff. And I was going to tell you, I don't know if you remember this or not, but I left and you let me stay on the books and I would work occasional shifts so that I could continue to get vested in the purse oh, for your five years. Yeah. Oh. So that was really cool. Yeah. I mean, if you were that close that, you know, that's the thing, you know, right I had now, like six months. Yeah. yeah. Well, the other thing about you was, you know, there's uh 
you know, there are some people like you wanted to, you jumped in there and, and had a desire to learn it. You know, like you wanted to do it. You, you didn't say, um, this is what I'm going to do, but I really want to get into architecture. Mm-hmm. You know, you wanted to stay in this type of stuff. Well, it was more about I had a son to provide for. And so, yeah. the full You mean the full-time job over it? But you could have gone at some point now in your life have gone into a different career. You weren't always tied to AV. I'm, I'm always looking for a different yeah. career. <laughs> <laughs> you could be a podcast creator and yeah. sell I'm your always own. looking for something We're now different. going to pause for Pepsi. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 It's it's one of those things that uh, I, I kind of have a similar story to you and your, your mom telling you about it. I was working at a Quiznos. Yeah. And my buddy saw the the posting on uh, Craigslist, yeah. and he told me to go apply for it. And I was like, "Nah, dude, I don't, I don't, I don't really want to go for that. That sounds dumb." Yeah. And he's like, "You work at a Quiznos," and I was like, "Yeah, good point." <laughs> yeah. So when when you hired me, I yeah. stayed at Quiznos for six months, and I was doing both. Yeah, yeah, because I me mean, as a part timer down there. It's hard to, it's hard, you know, and that's why I left after three years, same kind of thing, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, but you were like always the guy that, you know, if, if I had a person that I could put on anything, that was gold, you know, and there was one person who might, who could do lighting, knew how to program the dimmer, you know, mm-hmm. uh, one person who could run sound and not make it feedback, you mm-hmm. know, <laughs> you know, those types of things. Mm-hmm. And those are important. So if you had somebody who could do multiple things, man. So you tried to keep those guys. Yeah, that was the cool part about that job is that I came in with relatively no knowledge about anything and yeah. was kind of trained. And OJT. Some people ask me like, "Oh, it's it's so cool. You do this, you do that." And I'm like, "Yeah, it's all it's all right. I've been doing it for a long time." Yeah. They're like, "How do I get into that?" I'm like, <laughs> "You don't want to get into this. <laughs> Find know. something else to do." But if you really want to, there's no like yeah. It's not like you go to college for it. You just get a job doing something yeah. and then somebody teaches you. That's the best way. Like, yeah, I mean, you you can't teach somebody how to do a hundred shows. They you have, can't. You have to do it. You can't teach someone how to be technically proficient yeah. and smart yeah. and not be stupid around other humans because that's, that's the that's other part the big part of that game. you have to be able to manage right. the expectations of right. clients well, which is the, insane you know, that's the other skill set so you can run you can run an audio board or you can run a, you know a switcher or something but are you going to be nice to the the lady who's going to call the show who has no idea what she's doing yeah and you know some people aren't customer service you know they're great technicians but mm-hmm. that's not what you know and so somebody you hire somebody to buffer them. You yeah, know? exactly. Yeah. <laughs> You're the TD on this show. You yeah. Know? Yeah. She's going to be working with you today. Yeah. 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 It's, it's a different, different type of skill set. I think you got to have, you know, I think the reason why you still do it is that, you know, you, you there's got to be some passion there. There's got to mm-hmm. be a wind. I don't do anything anymore that I don't have some wind behind me wanting yeah. to do it. Yeah. You know, and there's something about, you know, there's, I'm sure that it would would not take me long to, you know, okay, doors, okay, lights, roll video. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden I'd be like, okay, here we go. Do we got mic one? Is that on? Mm-hmm. You know, you know, it, all that stuff would just start clicking. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that's, uh, you know, if you don't have that little Jones for that, mm-hmm. you know, or – you know, your, or the panic, that panic moment when that guy says the first word <laughs> and you hear it. Yeah. You're like, oh, yeah. Oh, it's going to work. All right. The rest of it we can work out. Just go to just go to the PowerPoint. Yeah. 
that was that was a tough thing about back in the day is just not knowing whether anything was going to work or not. I'm just so stressed out stressed all the time. Out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I would get calls all the time, dude. Something would, wouldn't work or you need this or that. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's the thing I try to explain to some people sometimes about about the whole industry is like anything can go wrong at any moment. Yeah. And you have like – yeah. I always tell At people the highest level. Oh yeah. I just say I'm a professional troubleshooter. Like <laughs> I, I have to figure out what's wrong with stuff and fix yeah. it. I will tell you, Cody. So, um, I don't know how long you want to talk. I don't know if I'm running. We're, we're about an hour. We go another okay. half an hour. So. Whatever you want. Troubleshooting. I, 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 uh, if you want to be like, have that tech game elevated. I left OC for years, maybe like the last, Three years of my OCC time, you know, it's there. Back then, I don't know how it is now, but you know, there was a season ish. Mm-hmm. You know, by the time, by the early before spring hit, it was kind of this little month lull, and I would always be looking for something else. Yeah, and I'd be like, okay, I I don't want to do another year. I don't want to another. <laughs> I don't want to do another cycle of I can't this. Do you it know, again. I don't want to do. But I wasn't going to leave and go. You know, not make any money. Yeah, and I didn't really. You know, I. Um, you know, I didn't really want to go back into telecom either. And uh, and uh, I got offered a job at Delta, Delta AV. It's an integration company. And uh, um, I thought I was going to be doing one thing when I went over. It didn't pan out that that – and it worked out for me mm-hmm. in the long run. What, what, so what does that mean? What were you, what were you supposed to so, do? So um, I knew a guy who worked over there who was who Delta had hired him to take on the events side of things because he was going to book events and stuff. And um, it didn't really take place. But I uh, – they wound up – I want <laughs> – I don't know how I did it, me and another guy. But I want, we wound up getting uh, – uh, being service techs. So what that means is po- the title was post project services, but what a what an experience! Um, they outfitted me with a complete set of everything you every tool, every test unit, every meter, every cable, every adapter, every ladder, and they put in a van. Mm-hmm. And I took on all comers. What I mean was, if they called in, and then Delta and Comptview. Who did OCC? Yeah, and Delta did. Uh, Delta did the original did expansion. The, yeah, yeah, on the new side. Um, yeah, um, uh, they're the largest in in the state, just about. And so for integration, they don't do events, and um, and so they put me in a van, me and another guy, and he had his van, I had mine, and they uh, whoever called, corporate, you name it, go fix it. Yeah, but you weren't really like an install guy. No experience. <laughs> no clue. They just gave you all the stuff in a van and said, go figure it out. You got it. Yeah. And here's the deal. You don't figure it out. You don't get a job. Uh-huh. So you learn to figure it out. Wow. And there was a lot of stuff I, I I wound up, you know, I always had that, you know, technical troubleshooting. I'm just tenacious. Yeah. You know, I just, I won't, I won't eat. I won't take a break. I'll just stay on it till I figure it out. Yeah. I've always been like that with that kind of stuff. And, uh, and, um, so for four years I did thousands of service calls uh-huh. 
You know, I reamped me and another guy reamped the Moda Center, the line arrays in the Moda Center. <laughs> you know, worked on the uh, stadiums and every what we call eds and meds, every hospital, every um, school, all these integrated um, systems, which is really the way of, you know, the way of it's now. But you know, the days I, you know, the days of even with like with. You know, you're going to have rooms like the one I'm sitting in here now, and you've got a couple of cameras on stands and these mics here. But, you know, one day they'll come in into a room like this and just hit a button. I want to do podcast mode. Yeah. And that's it. And it Mm -hmm. turns on. Yeah. It's the same thing with events. You know, they'll have integrated cameras. They'll have staging. They'll have P&D. They'll have all that. It'll just be walk in. Here's your show. Mm -hmm. And they'll stream it. And they'll do a hybrid. They'll put 200 seats in the room or whatever it is, and they'll stream it. You know, and it'll just be integrated. Why would you pay somebody a whole bunch of money to set it up and tear it out? Yeah. You know? Why the, a lot of the meetings at OCC aren't aren't fixed? You know, and they always said, "Well, we want to move the stage, we want to combine, uncombine things like that." But you know, a lot of that stuff could just be fixed, you know, and and be integrated and lower the cost. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, um, I worked on everything. You name it. Did you enjoy it? Um. Some parts of it were, you know, I got the I want to be challenged out of me. Yeah. After four years, I got the, you know, because I, I did enjoy it. Yeah. But there were, you know, um, again, I'm, I didn't want to be an old guy on a ladder yeah. in a gymnasium trying to figure why the DSP is not passing signal to the to the speaker or why, you know, the mic's cutting out or running around with this meter figuring out if I got some kind of frequency issue with the wireless in the area, blah, 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 a million different things. Mm-hmm. And, um, but, uh, I did enjoy it. Um, and, uh, and I liked it that it had set hours pretty much. Mm-hmm. I worked Monday through Friday, you know, eight to four thirty. So after all those years of erratic scheduling well it was nice to have some even at OCC you got to remember I was 8 to 430 at OCC yeah too. that's true that's true but I left there and then the calls started coming I would get calls on the weekends I would get calls at nights from the people there telling me they needed I didn't get enough of this or this one of yeah. these things is broken or this is the wrong lens or I don't have enough cable or I, I need another speaker timer <laughs> you know I'm okay <laughs> you know that kind of stuff mm-hmm. you know? but yeah doing a um Doing the doing the integration technician, um, just opened my eyes and opened me up to what's really out there, as opposed to like, you know, OCC and you know the large scale live events here. And then even thinking about, I went to uh, Vegas, and I worked on an Amazon Web Services show, and and I thought, oh, I'm you know, I got nine ballrooms, I might have them all going. I got. I might have 40 guys working. Mm-hmm. I go down to Vegas and I work on a show and the general session is 10,000 people. Yeah. And it, and the, and the video wall is four of the exhibit halls mapped. Yeah. And then their, their, and their breakout sessions are 32 ballrooms. Yeah. And you realize you don't know. <laughs> you know I mean, it's the same thing on a bigger scale, but yeah. it's massive. Yeah. Know? I was, I was on a team with like 50 people doing that show. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. The, those, I, I've done some larger shows like that in Vegas and uh, they're just scaled up. There's just more planning, which is oh. insane stuff. Like I don't. Dimmer Beach on that thing is just like, it's just the insanity of how many, you know, and then the exhibit hall floor is just, it, it's just, yeah. I did mm-hmm. a week down there for Amazon and 
man, that was crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, and then their their post-party stuff, they have like, you know, they bring in high-level talent. They shut down the strip and there's a whole nother set, you know, and they bring in, you know, all the ancillary. It's like, oh, we might have a little food and beverage out front of Ballroom 256. You know, yeah. you realize, yeah, you don't yeah. know, you don't know. Yeah. yeah. It's all it's all relative. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Well, that's cool that you were able to switch it up every five years, basically. Yeah, try something new, you know. And then um, the company I was working for sent me to uh, work at a hospital, work in a hospital setting um, for a healthcare company uh-huh. about two years ago. So um, I was covering for a guy who took a vacation, and uh, he was gone for like three weeks. And they said, you know, go do this guy's job. Okay, and they were getting bang for it, I'm sure. And uh, so I, I went there and I went to, man, this is seven minutes from my house, Monday through Friday, 6.30 to 3, white glove in it. Mm-hmm. I thought, man, this is all right with me. So on my way out the door, after that time, he guy come back and all that, nice guy. And uh, I said to the manager, if anything ever opens up, let me know, you know as you do. And then – month or two later hey i don't know if you're still interested and uh from what i understand i was the only one they interviewed and uh they brought me on and so for the last two years i work for a healthcare company and uh um i primarily now because of covid and and even before that i just make videos Mm -hmm. i make all these um you know physical therapists demonstrate how to get in and out of a bed um uh, I just did a thing. I got a thing coming up with a hybrid, how to the proper usage, of a hyperbaric chamber. Mm-hmm. Um, all these medical procedures—they're not on people; they're on simulated mannequins, and uh, some of them are just like with therapists doing stuff. And they get put onto their internal—they call it the Get Well Network—on mm-hmm. um, their, their internal closed circuit television stuff. And then it, some of it goes on YouTube, and some of it goes into like a um, like a continued medical education mm-hmm. uh, uh, thing that they access yeah, to get them certification so they watch a certain amount of hours. And now that everything's gone virtual, almost a- all of that stuff's there. So I'm busy. I got like, you know, I've made so much content and I'm a PowerPoint. I am a PowerPoint Premiere Pro wizard mm-hmm. at this point. Yeah, it's a good time to be a video editor. Yeah, you it- know, I come, I, the thing is that you come, I, my office is in, is like in the basement. Uh-huh. And so I'm like, you, how it is? You get stuck. You start cutting stuff up, and you know, uh-huh. and you know, you come out and you go, man, it's, <laughs> it's a lie. Yeah, you get, I just get sucked in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same here. I, I did it at the art museum for four or five years, and mine was in the basement too. Yeah. And sometimes in the winter, you get there at seven yeah. in the morning, and it's yeah. dark. Yeah. You leave at six yeah. at night, and it's yeah. dark. You're like, what did I do all day? Yeah, I'm the same way. Yeah, yeah, and especially you know, like I don't know, you, I'm shooting it too. Yeah, a lot of the times I'm shooting it. And, nice. uh, yeah, and you know it, we don't have a bunch of production. Uh-huh. It's just you know it's it's not what they do. It's just something that they you know what I mean. It's part of their. I work under uh, physician services support, mm-hmm. and so um, it's not like they want to have that. You know, they just want to. They just want to have that for. Uh, they're not looking for like big production. They're not. Yeah. They're not looking to invest in high video and stuff like that. Yeah, D- documenting it more than exactly. Anything. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, doing that until you move back to Hawaii. Well, I don't know. No, I, uh, I don't no? think so. No, no, I don't think so. I would go. It sounds pretty awesome. I don't, I don't know, man. It, uh, 
you can still get a house over there. I look. Um, you can still get a house um, on the Big Island, Hilo side, midway up to Volcano 90. 90,000? Yeah. With land? With a, with a quarter acre and everything? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. There's not much. You have to be – you have to – have your money. Yeah. You're not going to find any much work over there. You know, there's nobody yeah, hiring. See, that's, that's the problem. I don't know what I'd do if I moved there. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like one of these things that people, they retire. You know, that's really my goal right now is I'm just thinking about what my M game looks like at this point in my life, you know, cause I don't want to be one of these people that's stuck. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people, they get to an age and they sell their house that they've had forever. Yeah. And then they, Maybe buy something like that, and then they spend half and half. They do that type of thing. I yeah. think some of that happens. But mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Are you going to talk about that? You want to? You can. I don't know. What uh, – What? What? so I in uh, one of the episodes, I told a story about a guy we worked with who uh, murdered his um, his girlfriend's boyfriend – it's hard to explain. He he was a jealous guy, and he ended up killing this guy, and we worked with him. And then I talked about it again with uh, Tony Bavacqua in a different episode. Right. And you listened to both of them. Mm. Were were there were there things I listened to? I listened to your my version murder. It was yeah, called murder. I think yeah, it was. I listened to that, and then I did watch Tony's. Yeah, so I've only seen a handful of your. I mean, I've seen a couple of the guys I know. I watched. Them. Yeah. So was there anything that you heard or saw that you're like? That's not what it was. Or was it, was it fairly factual as far as you remember it? Because you were involved too. Yeah, I was on the – I was in the trial. Yeah, I was a witness on the trial. And uh, yeah, I mean uh, the weird thing for me and I can't – you know, I'm sure for the other people that uh, were in my position, um, the uh, they came down and interviewed us and they – you know, the, the police. Yeah. And they uh, – well, maybe it was lawyers. Might have been lawyers. I can't remember now. And uh, we were we were in that little meeting room next to my office there, mm-hmm. Chuck's office. And uh, they asked us uh, some questions, and um, they kind of let us know what had kind of gone down. Mm-hmm. And um, but we were not allowed to say anything to everybody else that worked there. Anybody. So you knew. I knew. Wow. I knew that it was, he was in trouble. Yes. Yeah. And I knew what what the potential issue was. You know, I knew what they were accusing. And you of. still had to book him to come there and work. I had to That's act like insane, nothing. Man. I had to act like nothing was happening. Did he know that they were talking to you? I don't know. That'd be so. It weird. wasn't just me, dude. It was like you know, there was a there yeah. Was but a, he like comes to work to do a yeah, shift, and he's like, I can remember because he was he's kind of you know like this, and he come in, and he always kept his hat just so you know so crisp, crisp, right? And um, and he would. He would lay it there on in the cube there, and I, hey, what's up? You know, hey, what's going on? How are you? You know, it was always you know always pretty quick with when people came in and and uh, and uh, I just remember him coming in a number of times and just me going, you know, at first going, this is crazy, you know, like <laughs> this is you know what I mean, and uh, I had a couple people I could confide in on it, and um, but then uh, the truth is uh, after a period of time. I think on a Festival of Trees show, he was still there. That's when you you told me. I remember vividly 
That's when it was all discussed. Was at the Festa Tree show. Oh, they came out in December. Oh, we had a meeting, and then it was everybody, like everybody got pulled into a circle because he got he got picked up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember him. I uh, was working side by side with him one day. I went down on the floor to help with something. I don't remember. And he and I, it, but it, it had been months, mm-hmm. and it kind of had become like, well, maybe it wasn't. You know, maybe it was. I mean, there was nothing going to happen. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then so it, it was. Uh, it, as crazy as the sounds, it sounds. It was like. Uh, it became kind of normal again, yeah, because it took so long. And then, uh, then I remember when they when they picked him up. And like, Did you ever think, oh man, maybe maybe this isn't what it is, and he's getting wrongly convicted of some heinous shit that he didn't really do? Or were you always like, this guy murdered somebody? I had no idea. Yeah, because they didn't really. Uh, their questions to us were more like, and everything that I'm talking about is public, right? Um, yeah, I mean, I read the document off yeah, the internet. I read it's the public. I read the document too. Yeah. Everything; those are the questions they asked. Is mm-hmm. you know, was you know, do I schedule him? And do you have these kinds of things here? And you know, could you have? Could this kind of incident occur while you're working? And those types of things. And um, uh, that was it. But mm-hmm. you you didn't know any of the details, and you know, yeah, but, yeah. And I, uh, it was just like I remember us having to go up there and stay in a hotel. There was like four of us mm-hmm. that went up there, and uh, and it was like we were all just kind of like, "What the heck is going on?" Yeah, you know, and just it's like it's like a television. It was show. one of our guys, you know, it was one yeah. of our guys going through that. So. Yeah, man, and he wasn't like nice guy. I never would have assumed he was nah. capable of something like that. Right, he wasn't a guy I hired either, you know. Um, so I didn't. He. Uh, he had worked there, I guess, and was hired when I didn't work there. And then I mm-hmm. came back, and when I came back, he was on a deployment or something. Mm-hmm. And then so when he came back, hey, this guy's got his job back, and here yeah. he is. You know. So I didn't, re- and that, so I didn't really know him that well. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was, uh, yeah, I would have never. Other than no. he liked to ride his bike really fast, and no, he was you know, a totally, really totally chill dude. I would never have yeah. expected. I, that. I wasn't in the trenches with him setting stuff. So, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. You get to know somebody in a lift at one eleven o'clock at night. <laughs> you know, yeah. you get to know way too much about somebody. Yeah, you know what I mean? yeah. yeah. So you guys went up there, and you had to testify in court, and you saw him. Like, I, had, I had to identify him. Yeah, you had it's to say. In, so what do you thought? I gave uh, Cody. My my testimony, so you can review it because I know you're kind of following that. That's why yeah. I got in. Yeah. But um, yeah, they ask you, is he here in the courtyard or in the courtroom? And uh, I identified You got to point him out. I got him. Yeah. Is that him? No. Can you say yes? Yes. So you know? all, all four people that went up there, we including all, you, you all had to do that? I'm sure they had to do the same type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I wasn't in the room. We all kind of waited. Um we all kind of waited beforehand together. Mm-hmm. We didn't go up together. Yeah. And uh, then we all kind of waited outside, you know, mm-hmm. afterwards and kind of talked for a minute before we went on our ways. But it's definitely uh, something that you, know, you never you never think you're going to experience. You know? No. Well, and the weird thing is, like, uh, every time I drive to Seattle, I always – every time I see a sign for Kent or Auburn, yeah. I always think about that because it takes a long time right. to get to Seattle. Right. And he had to get in a car yeah. that I – if I remember correctly, he took it from his mom or borrowed it from his mom. Borrowed it from his mom. Took his mom's car, yeah. drove like right. three hours right. with the intent of doing something – like Raging. so much time. Raging. Yeah, so much time to just be like, what am I doing? Right. I should turn around. But like 
That's a long drive. Right. Yeah, it's crazy. He'll get out and still be a pretty young guy. Yeah. Because I think he – I don't know exactly, but I think he was like 30. He was 33, I think. So he'll be, you know, he'll be in his 50s. Yeah. So – That's know. weird though, man. Like you go away for that long, like you're not – He can't be the same guy. I can't no. imagine. You can't – like that's half his life. Yeah. In in prison. Yeah. Yeah. It's just crazy. It's crazy to think about, but – yeah, when I saw that, I thought, oh, I'll, I'll bring that little thing in for you, and you can yeah, I'm gonna put read you it. in the put you in the court in the courtroom. Yeah, so. it's crazy. So, what are you doing? What is you, what? Are you, so, are you doing events? Like, you are you just are you just shooting video? Are you editing? Are you I'm, switching shows? Are you setting shows? Yeah, striking shows. It's basically all the same stuff. Okay. Uh, setting, running the show. Um, it's a lot less now since COVID. Like yeah. I was saying, it's a lot more editing. Yeah. There are a lot more people that because they can't have their event in person, they're doing a virtual event. Right. What are you guys using? What are you using to use to do that? What do you mean? So are you using Zoom? I mean, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We we use uh, Zoom and we use vMix. Okay. Uh, there's a bunch of different platforms now that just blew up in the last year. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, there's nonprofits all over – uh, Portland and all over the country who still need to make money right. and they had to figure out a way to still generate all that revenue and, and get donors involved and everything and there a lot of them are still doing really well they figured mm-hmm. it out yeah it sucks you can't go hang out in person but um I mean <laughs> if you got to make money you got to make money and you so, figure out a way so so I'm curious you know um cuz I'm always like to know what's happening and what's going on where I think it's going to go. Um, obviously, I think it's going to go to a hybrid model. Yeah. You know, I don't think it's ever going to completely go back to the way it was necessarily. I hope so. I don't like to think that it won't. Yeah. I think you're going to have people who can't make it and they're going to put up some kind of thing for them somehow. Yeah. I don't know what that looks like. So I'm be curious to think of, you know, what you think of like um, – what that equipment looks like and what the event looks like when they're going to have these, you know, I heard a term the other day. I never thought I'd hear virtual exhibit hall, Hmm. you know? So people are thinking about this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's a demand to still put out content and have people view it. But like we were talking about earlier, you just, you need that human aspect. You can't just, you can't just live your life staring at a computer screen. You get messed up. You need to see people. You need to shake hands. You need to hug. You need to see people's faces. Right, right, right. right. Well, I, I'm not necessarily ha- look uh, looking for that. I'm looking for like from a technical point of view. What tech? What technology are we going to be using to to go to move this thing hybrid? I mean, are we going to use like I know, for example, you know, you can do polling. You can do all kinds of different things mm-hmm. to make because it's going to be interactive. At some point, they're going to have to interact with because they're, people can't just shut off their cameras and mute their microphones and say, I was in the conference. You know what I mean? <laughs> Dude, I was on a Zoom call the other day and it had a bunch of high school kids in it. Right. Uh, and they were watching a guy uh, do a workout session. And all these high school kids were supposed to be doing the workout session with him. Right. And the teacher's getting on there going, turn your camera on. Yep. Franklin High School, turn your cameras on. Because all the kids had shut their cameras off, right. you know. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. 
It's the same thing with, you know, we, as adults do the same thing. Yeah. You know, they sit there and they'll mute it and they'll scroll their phones yeah. or whatever. Well, I, I was reading something the other day that said, like, uh, there's some weird psychological effect to, you know, when you look at a Zoom call and right. everybody's the exact same size. Right. Everybody's looking directly at you. Right. Like, there's some weird. Have you done the gallery stuff? I've, I've done too many Zoom calls. I hate You know them. the gallery thing? Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? Like where you put them in chairs. They're, they put these little – their images in chairs or, and they put them in like back virtual backgrounds. And yeah. they're, they're in the desert on – you know what I mean? Yeah. No, it gets weird because yeah. you're not supposed to interact with people that way. Like if you're in a room with somebody, like you're sitting next to me right. and we're looking somewhere else. Like <laughs> we can see each other in our right. peripheral, but right. we're not just staring directly at each other the whole right. entire time. Yeah, it's, good. it's not good. Yeah, no, no. I agree with you on all that. I, I totally – I'm just – you know, what gets me – um, just being a tech. Being like a, what? Yeah. What do the people in the in the background that are organizing? What are What are you going to be setting up for the clients in the room? And what interfaces are we going to be using to provide that virtual a better virtual experience for mm-hmm. the for the end user? Yeah. You know? Yeah. It'll be interesting, and it's going definitely going to affect the you know the the convention industry and the you know the certainly the corporate environment for a long time yeah i mean the convention center hasn't had they haven't had an event in there like a real true event yeah since march it's been a year that a million square feet in a decent location has had no activity other than i think they use it for um for vaccines um there's so much commercial real estate that is just destroying somebody's bank account oh they're just losing so much i can't even imagine how much money metro's lost because yeah. all their stuff is i mean yeah they do um they manage like the bureau of like the land stuff they have you know of course they have the uh, the dump and they have like some cemeteries and stuff and then they they manage the urban growth boundary and stuff but i think they have a lot of their dollars are sunk into p5 you know, P5, uh, Schnitzer, the Schnitzer and... Portland Center of Performing Arts, Keller Auditorium, mm-hmm. Expo, mm-hmm. OCC, and the Zoo. Yeah. And none of those places are making money for, you know, and yeah, I mean, they're just got to – and then just by sheer dumb luck, they build a $300 million hotel across the street. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And it's then, a nice and, place too. And and I think they do a couple hundred million upgrade to OCC. I haven't been in there. I don't know. It looks nice. I, I saw. See, it. I've seen some stuff on TV, um, and it's just sitting there. Yeah, it's crazy. So you know, I think that uh, I think it'll happen. I don't know if it'll happen this year. It'll it'll probably happen this year on some kind of smaller level where like mm-hmm. they'll space them out with cones and they'll make all the chairs be six feet apart and mm-hmm. when they'll probably limit the size of the ballroom to they can take 400 now it'll only take 100 mm-hmm. and uh, they'll probably but you won't see like major events and yeah. see that's where I'm talking about so if you only have 100 people in the room and somebody's got to attend that seminar they're going to have some kind of technology that's going to be more interactive you know yeah so be maybe maybe VR I don't know Interesting. If, if VR got more uh, widespread, everybody's just wearing goggles all day long. You don't have to go anywhere anymore. Isn't that something? You just get a you get a drip in your vein, you know. Uh, <laughs> get your cheeseburgers, and some people are saying, "Oh, you know, now that you've got the vaccine, that you know you're chipped." It just it'll just be one, they put a chip in the vaccine, so that's how we're all chipped now. I've seen stuff like that. But yeah, 
Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting, but you know, um, it it it'll be something different. Sure. I think so. I think uh, maybe by summer twenty twenty two, you can go to a concert. Yeah, like a real concert, unless yeah. it, there's another outbreak. There's another outbreak. We're just gonna go right back to the start. I mean, if the strain changes or if there's something else. They're already talking about boosters. Mm-hmm. You know, like I said, I've been vaccinated. I'll tell you, it, and I've been since January, so I've been waiting for everybody to, you know, and they're speeding this thing up. And mm-hmm. um, I think once everybody kind of gets to the point where they feel vaccinated, I think they said like nationally May 1st, everybody should be, for the most part, I think a lot of states, mm-hmm. the majority are going to be on board with that. I think that it's going to be the confidence of people. And then what percentage, you yeah. know, I think, I don't think we're going to wait till a hundred percent of Americans are vaccinated or mm-hmm. 90%. I think it'll be, it'll open up before them. When that happens, who knows, you know, Yeah, crazy. I hope so. Cause I got Disneyland booked in August. Are you going to Disneyland? I tried to, I tried to go in 2020. So yeah. So you have kids. Three of them. <laughs> what? Yeah. You didn't know that? I have three kids. Yeah. Oh my God. How yeah. old? Uh, 13, nine and six. Wow. Yeah. You're a busy guy. It it just got easier. Like uh, just since COVID, we can leave them at home now. Uh, so it's it's much easier. Like the first four or five years of your kid's life, you're just always worried they're going to die. Like they're going to choke on something or get hit by a car or like they're going to do something. They're going to die. You're just trying to keep them from death. Yeah. And now it's it's easy. And they're still fun. You know, yeah, 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 they're yeah. they're like turning in into little people. Yeah. You know, it's really cool. Yeah. It's, uh, I have some nephews. I never had kids, but my nephews have gone through high, you know, grades. I've seen them, you know, now into the workforce and, mm-hmm. and one of them just had his first, uh, son and, uh, nice man, just times, like I said, when I saw you today, man, it's just like, man, time is just moving. Yeah. So. It doesn't slow down. It's one of those cliches you hear everybody say, but like, the older you get, you realize you're like, oh my God, we're, it's March 21st. We were three months into this year. Really? I know we're three months in and I finally, you know, the thing we didn't touch on is, you know, I'm a runner and, uh, yeah, I was going to bring that up. Yeah. I do a lot of that. And, uh, they cancel everything's been the same kind. I'm just, you know, I run for my sanity you know? mm-hmm. and, uh, and, uh, all that got canceled. And finally this year, I'm going to bend in two weeks to do a race and, just because there's nothing happening in Multnomah County. You yeah. Know? And so I'm going to Bend and there's another race in Bend. And, uh, My parents live in Bend. I almost did, uh, I think it was a half marathon, like last uh, last April. It might be the same, called the Salmon Run. Uh, I forget what it's called, but my mom asked me to do I'm it. I'm doing the Salmon Run. And then I got in right before I, I was getting into doing ultras. Uh-huh. Like I was running farther. I got into doing, like I did a half Ironman. I did a bunch of triathlons and stuff. Ultra, like 50 miles? Well, 32 is officially like an ultra. Wow. So I've done a bunch of marathons and I was like looking at doing my first ultra and then I injured my ankle. Mm-hmm. But, and uh, so I fought back from that. So I've signed up. I'm going to do a, a Day of the Dead in Newport, Oregon around Halloween. And uh, fifty. it's a 24-hour race. And Damn. I know. and uh, That's a lot of running. Well, I'm not going to run for 24 hours. It's <laughs> – you run and the, you put, try to put as many miles up as you can. Yeah. And so my goal is 50 there. It's on a track or it's – It's No, it's not. It's a it's a two and a half mile course, uh, partial trail, partial, I think, road. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so I'm, I'm, 
I miss it. I'm finally, you know, the races are starting to come back. And, you know, I never, I didn't really like start getting fit and working out and stuff until the last couple of years. Uh, And I always hated running, but I try to do it every day now. And like, wow. It makes a huge difference. Totally. Sometimes it sucks and you hate it, but like when you're done, yeah, it just makes you feel better. It's it like make, it's it, real. Man, I come home lethargic, you know. Especially we do a similar thing. I stare at a screen all day. Yeah. Cutting video. You get home, you want to eat and lay down, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. And if I do that, that's what I do, you know. Yeah. I, I got to get myself motivated. Mm-hmm. And so first thing I do is I come home and I throw my gear on, and I go hit it, nice. and then I want to do stuff. Yeah. But if I don't do that, and also it's just good for your brain. Yeah. You know, it just fires everything up and all these endorphins in your brain. Yeah. And for me, like, it makes other things not matter. You like, sort stuff out. It's like I don't sweat the small stuff after right. I finish running. I'm like, right. that doesn't bother me. I don't care. It's alone time. Yeah. And it's, you know, I don't know how far you run, but my daily or my try to be daily is an hour. It's five miles. Just wow. shy of an hour, not quite nice. an hour. I'm not very fast. I'm like 930s now. Yeah. I could probably go faster, but I'm I'm good. And uh, I'm like, you know, I don't run for I don't run for that. I ran That's a sub. Right. My goal was to run a sub four marathon at some point, and mm-hmm. I did that. And so ever since then, I don't really have like, you know, who's fat? I don't have any fast goals. I just have distance goals. You remember Frank, who used to be on Shipping Receiving, the blonde hair. I don't know if you remember that guy. I remember the name. I don't remember his face. He got he and I started chatting. You know, because I go pick gear that got delivered. And uh, I said, you should come do this race with me. You should run with me. You know, whatever. He's like, oh, he's interested. So he, long story short, he started doing it. And he's in he's in his – had to be like close to 50 mm-hmm. when he started doing it. He don't weigh anything. He's got some genetic gift about it. And so like I did this race with him on Sylvia Island. I was in this half marathon or it might have been a marathon. I don't remember. And I'm like – I smoked him about mile number eight. Mm-hmm. All right, see you later. Right? I'm thinking I'm the deal, right? This is about five or six, seven years ago. Yeah, since I worked at OCC, seven years ago. And uh, and I'm like, I smoked eight. I'm, my girl was hurt at the time, so she's on her bike, on her bike, right? And she's cheering, ringing her cowbell, and all this stuff. And, and uh, I'm, I, I evidently she says something, but I didn't hear her. And I turn right to go down the chute to the finish line. Dom, 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 dom. All of a sudden, here comes Frank. <laughs> he just wanted to let you think he, he got me with like 20 I see him blow by me and I'm like ah and I didn't have enough to catch him and, and right at the end and he got me so now I have we coined the term I got franked nice but he and I have done some uh, some relays together down in Bend and Cascade Lakes Relay and mm-hmm. but he's got some gifts and he, he for he qualified for Boston huh. he runs like seven minute uh, you know races wow yeah he's good he's really good so. yeah but I, I I totally do it uh I don't – there's a saying, I run for sanity, not vanity. Yeah. And I go for an hour and I come back and my head's clear. You know, yeah. It'll get rid of the resentment I had against somebody at, you know, at yeah. job or the experience I had at the store or whatever it mm-hmm. is, you know, it just – Yeah, it's perfect for that. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. yeah I only did the one uh, and it was in um, San one, Diego. The one, the one what? One marathon. Yeah. Oh, you I did a full? I did a full. Nice, dude. I was 23. Yeah. You're, and you're due. Pff, I know. That's what I'm scared of. You can do it. The, the first one was brutal. I was 23, my aunt was 33, and my mom was 43. And we all did it together, and they are speed walkers. 
And they beat you. And they're fast. Yeah. Some of the, I hate those, but the hips going up and the, Oh, they're so good. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, I was, yeah. I was 10 years younger than my aunt, 20 years younger than my mom. I was like, whatever. They're not going to be able to like, I got youth. Who cares? So right. I didn't train for it. Right. And then we get down there and we take off in the morning yeah. and we got to like mile three. And I was like, what have I done? Right. I'm not going to make it. Mile three. Mile three. <laughs> yeah. I still had 23 not, more to go. This is not good. No, and I somehow made it to the end, and, like, my legs didn't work. Yeah. That was it. I just laid down, and we went back to the hotel room. I didn't move for, like, 12 hours. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's it was the best. brutal. Post-race exhaustion with pizza. Yeah. yeah. And just don't even – can't even take, can't even get up to the shower. You just yeah. lay there and die. No. Yeah. yeah. I love that feeling. Yeah. yeah. You, you earned that. I did. Yeah. But, yeah, I think, I think I'll try a half next time. Yeah. And that's what I, – I think I was supposed to do a half in April of yeah. twenty. But then, yeah, they canceled it. I, uh, you know, I have to have, um, I have, uh, it's been hard because I have to have something to aim for. Mm -hmm. You know, aim, I, I love the run and for all the reasons I've described. But if I say, okay, I got this half in two months, it gives me something to, on those days where I don't feel like doing it, to yeah. go and do it, you know. And yeah. I discovered a place yesterday. I ran with a new group of guys. Um, that I met through some running friends, and uh, we went and ran Pal Butte Park. Yeah, that's, never, that's near my house, kind of. I'd never been out there. Yeah. I live in you know North Portland, and um, so I drove out there, and they got some hill for a little place. They got some hills in there. Yeah, and I was like, man, this thing's kicking my yeah, butt. Yeah, it's not bad. Yeah, so. got to deal with dog poop, but I was out there early, eight yeah. in the morning. Uh, me and three other guys. Yeah, and. Uh, and uh, oh, so we're gonna go around this loop, and we'll drop down and come up. And I'm like, oh, okay, you know, Whew, man, you got some some hills in this little thing here. <laughs> yeah, That's yeah, fun. it's right out there, like 162nd and Pal, kind of in that area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, I've been up there. I'll go out there again around. But yeah, it was cool. Yeah, right on. Cool. All right. Well, I think we should shut it down. Cool. So was, I appreciate you it's coming good out, seeing you after so many years. Yeah, right. And uh, uh, keep it up. I think you're doing a good job. Cool. This. Appreciate that. You got it. Awesome.